ask you to wash our souls and also that your word would come as you spoke in Jeremiah to uproot, overthrow and destroy anything that is not of you and to build and to plant your kingdom in our lives. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Wow. You know, when we invite um, spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of the truth, to, a wisdom, to, to, to reveal the knowledge of the truth, to flood our eyes, the eyes of our heart with understanding. You know, the, uh, the, our heart is, is, you know, he, he said that he's, he's given us a new heart that's sensitive to his touch. Yeah. And so he wants to flood our hearts with understanding, yeah, of his word. And, um, you know, that, he, that his word, you know, he, he brings revelation of it that your mind can't connect with, yeah, but it will eventually, yeah. He, he, he puts it in here first because we're created to be led by the Spirit of God. Yeah. And uh, so I love it. I love just to invite him and be aware that he's here to bring us understanding because sometimes we can think, I don't get that. Well, he's here to, to, to give it to us. Yeah? And he's not the author of confusion. Yeah? So praise God. Yeah, praise God. So, so today what I wanted to speak about was Jesus, the will of God in action. That's a got a title that's pretty cool isn't it Jesus the will of God in action and um, it's actually a quote that Bill Johnson um, has said uh, which I really like is that he's perfect theology Jesus is perfect theology and uh, I was reminded of that when I I got that title Jesus the will of God in action yeah um, so that's really uh, what our central truth is this morning is if you want to see God at work and we want to see God at work, don't we? Yes. We so want to see God at work. And we, but we can see God at work. We can see him at work because he's at work in Jesus. When we look into the word, um, we, we can see God at work. When we look into the gospels, we see God at work. So, so if you want to see God at work, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. He is the will of God in action. How cool is that? Jesus, the will of God in action. You know, and so many people want to know what God's like. But if we look at Jesus, Jesus is the one who come to reveal the will of the Father. Amen. He come to show us what Jesus, what God is like. Yeah. Hallelujah. You know, I think there, there's so much misrepresentation sometimes. But we, yeah. we, if we look and anchor our souls and, 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 and into the word of God, then we're going to know what God is like. Yes. Yeah? Because he is the expression of God. He brought the expression of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. So how many times have we heard people say, um, how many times, yeah, exactly, Bob. How many, how many times have you heard people say, um, God has put sickness on people? You know, it, it astounds me when uh, I still hear it. I still hear it, that, that God actually... Um, teaches people through sickness. But, but we're, the, the teaching that I'm bringing today is going to be a really simple teaching, but, but I believe we need to come back. And, and when you actually come back to, the, the, to simple gospel teaching on, the, on, on, on healing, um, you actually, what it does is it identifies 
how much how much unbelief actually seeps into your life. Yes, yeah. Doesn't it? It's sort of, it's, it's, it seeps in. It's like, it's like leaven. It's leaven. And, and when you hear the truth, once again, what it does is think, wow, you know, like, yeah, unbelief has seeped into my life. Because my responses aren't as clear and, 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 and as, as quick as they should be, yeah, when things happen in my life. Can anyone relate to that? Yeah. yeah. So how many times have you heard someone say, may God, uh, God, God has placed this, this sickness on me for a purpose because he wants to teach me something, yeah? But we see in the Gospels, if we look into the Gospels, we see that he has never, ever, Jesus never, ever put sickness on anybody. There is no account of Jesus ever, ever putting sickness on anybody in the Bible. Isn't that awesome? So, so we look in here, if you want to see God at work, look to Jesus because he is the will of God in action. Can I, can I ask, would you mind just moving into the centre a little bit more? I'm so, I know that sounds really weird, but, but it's really good to have, be able to see you. That, that, that's awesome. Yeah, sort of feels, yeah. It's a big auditorium and we're all together. It's great. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. So we never see in the scriptures that Jesus placed sickness on anybody. And that simple statement is so freeing. There is no account of Jesus ever placing sickness on anybody. Yeah? Did he ever turn anyone away? No. He, ne he never put sickness on anybody. Did he ever turn anyone away? No. Did he ever turn anyone away and say, it's not my will to heal you. You need to suffer a little bit longer because you're not holy enough and you haven't got things right yet. Yeah. Now, now that sounds ridiculous, but that is the mentality, the, 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 the belief system of, of, of people. It's not hard to find people that actually think that way. Maybe he doesn't want to heal me today. This is going to be progressive because there's things that I need to learn through it. It sounds ridiculous, but people live with that belief system. Yeah? And it's, it's got this sort of like suffering for Jesus thing happening. Well, let's go to John 14. Huh. Thank you, Lord. And, and we'll read from verse 8. This is in the Amplified Classic. Philip said to him, this is Jesus, Lord, show us the Father. Cause us to see the Father. That is all we ask. Then we shall be satisfied. You know, we can ask that question today. We want to see him. Amen? People want to see God. But here in verse 9, Jesus replied, Have I been with you all? Have I been with all of you for so long a time? And do you not recognize and know me yet, Philip? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say then, show us the Father? Isn't that awesome? So we can open our Bible and see Jesus at work. And at the same time, we're seeing God at work. We're understanding him. Yeah? We're coming to know him. Yep. Hallelujah. Verse 10, do you not believe that I am in the Father 
and that the Father is in me. What am I telling you? What I am telling you, I do not say of my own authority and of my own accord, but the Father who lives continually in me does the, or his works, his own miracles and deeds of power. Verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very sake of the very works themselves. That's amazing. Believe me for the sake of the very works themselves. Believe that he is in me because it's what is happening through my ministry. Praise God. You know, that's what the world are waiting for today. Believe that he is in me because of the works. Yeah? Yeah. I'm going to read that again. It's so powerful. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Now, now I'm just paraphrasing a bit this. If you can't believe it or else believe me for the sake of the very works themselves. In other words, there's things happening around here that only God can do that have their source in the supernatural realm, yeah? yeah? The realm of God, the realm of the Spirit. Amen? If you cannot trust me, at least these let these works that I do in my Father's name convince you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How the world are crying out to be convinced that God loves them. Do you know how the church are really crying out to be convinced yeah. that God loves them? Yeah? yeah? And that to me, what he's saying is he, he said, these works actually convince people that God is truly alive in the church. Say, so God's in me. God's in me. Amen? What to do to do those very works? And we'll go on with that. Because people need convincing. Verse 12. I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, if anyone steadfastly believes in me, he will himself be able to do the things that I do. It's interesting that steadfast, isn't it? Steadfast. It's not sort of an occasional visitation into the things of God and I'll pluck out a scripture and use it. It's actually, if anyone steadfastly believes in me. In other words, I become their belief system. You know, they, they, their minds have been renewed, yeah? What they've seen and heard has transformed them, the way they think about God. Praise God. The way they think about healing, yeah? There's the, the, he himself will be able to do the things that I do and he will do even greater things than these because I go to the Father. Hallelujah. Even greater. I believe that's greater in volume. You know, I think that's got a lot to do with multiplying, greater in volume. Yeah. But I mean, how do you do greater things than raise the dead and heal the sick and, you know, like all that sort of thing? There's not, you know, but but greater things, there's more of us. He's multiplied through the church. Amen. God at work. What he's saying is you're seeing God at work through me. Jesus is saying, you want to see him? Look at me. Amen. And and, and if, you, if you can't be convinced by just what I'm saying, be convinced by what happens through me. Yeah. Be convinced through what he is doing through me. Church, we need this word. Yeah. We need to believe that God wants to work through us and do the very things that Jesus did when he had his earthly ministry here. Amen? Working through every single one of us. And that's a promise there. 
If you steadfastly believe in him, the works that he did, you will do, he's saying, greater. There's more. There's more. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. There's more to be written. You know, I often think that, you know, the, uh, I, I get this, oh, I don't know whether it was Holy Ghost or just my imagination, but probably Holy Ghost and me having a conversation, but <laughs> feeling that, you know, when we get there, they're going to be asking us what it was like to walk in the, the days of glory. Yeah. What was it like to walk in the days of glory? We look into the book of Acts and think, oh, what was it like? But I think they're going to be saying to us, what was it like? Yeah. What was it like to live and to walk in the days where God revealed his glory? Yeah like never before. Amen. I mean, he revealed his glory through Jesus. He revealed his, his glory through Jesus. Is that right? He revealed his glory, but he says, you guys are going to do more because there's going to be more of you. Amen. Hallelujah. Because he's living in every single one of us. Jesus said, the father lives in me. Hey, guess what? Jesus lives in us. Amen. So he's been multiplied. There's not a re there's no reducing, there's no reducing of the power. There's an, there's an increase of it because there's more of us. Oh, bless the Lord. Hey, that was good. That was good. That was yummy. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. So if you want to know what God is like, we only need to look at Jesus because he was God at work. Amen. The works of God. He brought a display of the works of God. Jesus is the will of God in action. Hallelujah. Let's go to John 6, verse 38. We see there where Jesus said, For I have come down from heaven. Wow. I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will and purpose but to do the will and purpose of him who sent me. Yes. What a powerful statement. Yes. And he did. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will and purpose, but to do the will and purpose of him who sent me. You know, when you were born of God, when you were born again, hallelujah, you were sent from God now. You were, he sent us as it was. Yeah? yeah, He's commissioned us to do the will of him who sent us, no matter where we are. That's right. We're here today. We're out in the marketplace. Yeah. We're in the schools. We're, wherever we are, you see, that's the commissioning. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? Amen? To do the will of him who sent me. Yeah. I don't believe there's any greater anointing than a believer's anointing. We're ambassadors for Christ. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Oh. Did Jesus go about making people sick? There's a good question. We're talking about doing the will of the Father. Did he go? Was that the will of the Father? Did he go around making people sick? I want to slam this thing because I just, uh, you know, in in in, you know, with I guess our community, um, we believe this, and and um, but you know, this uh, we don't believe that Jesus made people sick, right? Yeah. But, you know, there's so many that actually do that I, I, I can't believe, so, you know, it, it's, it's jaw-dropping. Yeah. You know, when you don't sort of hang around that narrative very long, very much, you, you tend to think, oh, um, people don't think like that anymore, but they actually do. Yeah. And, and it can seep into, into, yeah. into the church. Yeah? yeah? Hallelujah. Did Jesus go about making people sick? Question? No. We really need 
to not forget, right? Not to forget that Jesus did not and does not make people sick, okay? Our doctrine must be fixed on the truth. Acts 10.38, what did he do? What did he go around doing? Let's read it again. How God anointed and consecrated Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with strength and ability and power. How he went about doing good and in particular curing all who were harassed and oppressed by the power of the devil, for God was with him. Yeah? These scriptures are great, aren't they? They're just sort of rolling <laughs> together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. So from the natural standpoint, it's difficult for people to understand that most of the laws governing this earth today came into being through the fall of man. From a natural standpoint, it's hard for people to understand that. Yeah, But when Adam sinned and the curse came upon the earth, That's where all this stuff started. But it's hard for the natural mind to understand that, yeah? Because people don't understand that. They accuse God of accidents, sickness, death, death of loved ones, yeah? And God is not the author of any of these things. But without the understanding of the fall of man, the rational mind still blames God. For all these things, even insurance. We know that insurance uh, companies call it an act of God. When something bad comes, acts of, acts of God, yeah? Okay, so he can be blamed for storms, fires, floods, all these things that we've experienced. Acts of God, yeah? Hallelujah. But really, we need to get settled in the fact that they are not acts of God. Amen? They're actually caused by the enemy and because the curse is upon the earth right now. Yeah? yeah? yeah. He loves yeah. Their author is Satan. Now all of this, uh, these uh, natural... Uh, if you set aside Jesus out of the picture, right, then people are going to understand, they're going to think that way, right? Amen? But it's the revelation of the goodness of God, yes. the revelation of the love of God, yes. that people are going to see God through a totally different lens. Yes. Yeah? Yep. Not one of punishment, not one of judgment, right? But when we look into the scriptures and we see how he worked, how he operated, then it can set us free from all the stuff that, we, that the, the people blame him for. Yes. Yeah? And that's what we want. Turn to somebody and say, I'm looking for that. I want that. I need that. Amen. He gets blamed for far too much. Okay. Now, Jesus said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. John 14, 9, if you haven't written that down. So we don't see Jesus in the storm, uh, putting on storms. Have you noticed that through the scriptures? You won't see him starting storms. You'll actually see him stilling storms. Yeah. What he did was he took authority over storms. He took authority over storms. And if we don't realize that he's the one that takes authority over storms, he, then, then what we do is we begin to accept the storms of life as 
a part of the process of life, yeah, yeah. and that God's teaching us through tragedy, yeah? Um, no. He works all things together for good, Romans 8, 29. For, amen. For those who love him and are called according to his design and his purpose. Amen. Jesus rebuked the storm and we're meant to rebuke the storm. Not accept the storm, rebuke the storm. Rebuke the storms of life. See, 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 see he is our example. What did he do when the storms arise? He rebuked them. He didn't receive them as part of the journey. Yeah? Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. So if we think that our storms are from him, we will not use our authority over the storms of life that the enemy stirs up, and he's always stirring them up. Have you noticed that? Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> so in the scriptures we see that Adam was originally the God, with a little g, of this world. Right? God made the world and the fullness thereof. We see that in Psalm 89, verse 11. And then he made Adam. Then he created Adam, right? And he said to Adam, I give you the authority to rule this earth. You have dominion. But Adam sold out his authority to the devil. Okay? He didn't have the moral right to, but he had the legal right to because God had placed it into his hands. Okay, so it wasn't a moral right, but there's a, a not a moral right, but there was a legal right. He had it to do with what he wanted to do with it. He gave him the choice. Yeah, that's power. He's actually given us the choice. Amen. He's given us the choice. Because he's given us his authority. So many people are sitting waiting for God to take authority or to do something about the storm that they're going through. But he's given us the authority. Amen? Hallelujah. He's given it to us. So what happened was Adam committed high treason and sold us out to the devil. Okay, 2 Corinthians, you want to go there with me? 4, 4. Amplified, I'm reading out of again. It says, for the God of this world has blinded the unbelievers' minds that they should not discern the truth, preventing them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, the Messiah, who is the image and likeness of God. The God of this world. That's who he is. He has been, he's, Adam sold us out. Yeah? He is the God of this world and he still blinds the mind of people, okay? Yeah. Yes. Let's, let's look at this again. Preventing them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, the Messiah, who is the image and likeness of God. There we see that again. Philip, don't you know me? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Yeah. Christ come as in the image and the likeness of God, right? Yep. So what we need to do is to get this, these truths very, very clear in our mind. Yeah. yeah? That, that Satan is still called the little G, God of this world, and he is the one that is causing all the trouble. Amen. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Yep. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. But God has authorized us to take control of our environment. Bless it all. Because he lives in us. He's in us. And he wants to work through us. But he can't work through us unless we truly know who he is in us and who we are in him. Amen? That we no longer value ourselves according to natural standards of value. Amen? That we understand that when he died, we died. Amen? And he lives. Where does he live? He lives in us. And he wants to live through us. Bless the Lord. That's an amazing statement right there. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. If we don't understand that God is not ruling the earth right now, he isn't now, but he will again, but he isn't right now. And he can only keep what you place in his hands. He can only keep what you place in his hands. Amen. He will again, but he is not right now. The truth is when Adam sinned, Satan became the God of this world. And when Satan is finally eliminated from the earth, he will not be here to steal. He will not be here to kill and he will not be here to destroy. Amen. Amen. How awesome is that? Hallelujah. That's the definition of his uh, works in John 10. 10. He comes to steal, kill and destroy. Yeah. Yeah. So remember Jesus' statement, he who has seen me has seen the Father. I'm going to say that repetitively through this. Amen. If you want to see the Father, see Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you want to see God at work, you look to Jesus. His representation of the Father makes it absolutely impossible to believe what is said about him. It's impossible if you know him through the scriptures, if you know him through the gospels, it's impossible to believe what people say about him. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. This excites me. (laughs) I love it. Thank you, Father. Yep. In fact, being as we are the ones who have been given authority over all the power of the enemy, we are the ones who actually allow it. See, people don't like that comment sometimes because it actually gives us responsibility for what's going on in our world, what's going on in our life. Amen? Because he's given us all the power over all the power of the enemy, Luke 10, 19. He's given us mental and physical strength and ability over it all. That we have absolutely no right to live our lives as victims. Amen? Amen. No right to live our life with a victim mentality. If we read the scriptures and if we believe the word of God, then we will reign as kings in life with the one Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. What does that mean? Well, I take authority over it. You know, I'm not under. I'm above only. I am not beneath. I'm the head and not the tail. Is that right? Hallelujah. 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 Hey. Thank you, Lord.
Where am I? <laughs> I've got to stick close to my notes. <laughs> the fact being, as we are the ones who have been given authority over all the power of the enemy, we are the ones who allow it. To allow these little foxes, the Bible describes them as little foxes, into our belief system because we are not seeing what the Word says. Yeah, But, you know, we need to see what the Word says through the Word. We need to see it. God's given us an imagination. And as, as the Word needs to create images in our mind, amen. amen, that we actually see the promise before the manifestation. Amen. We actually see it fulfilled. The promise was fulfilled in Jesus. I don't want to go off onto that subject, but I'd love to. But the promise was fulfilled in Jesus. Amen. He is the fulfillment. Hallelujah. How good is that? Praise the Lord. Don't go there. I'd love to go there. No, I won't go there. But if we allow these little foxes to come into our belief system, we'll give him access to steal and destroy. Jesus' statement, he who has seen me has seen the Father, makes it impossible to believe sickness and disease come from God. Let me say that again. Jesus' statement that if you have seen me, you have seen the Father, makes it impossible for us to believe that sickness and disease come from God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. The very, very, very nature of God refutes this. God is love. Hallelujah. God is love. Let's return to Acts 10.38. I want to stick with this because this is really good. He, who anointed, I'm asking you a question, who anointed Jesus of Nazareth? Max 10, who anointed him? God. God anointed him. Okay, and Jesus said, now remember, Jesus said, the Father who lives in me does the works. Is that right? John 14, 10. The Father who's in me does the works. So God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Is that right? And Jesus said, it's God in me that does the works. So how did God do these works of healing through Jesus? How did he do it through him? He did it by anointing him. He did it by anointing him with the Holy Ghost and healing power. Right? So what did Jesus do with the anointing God anointed him with? What did Jesus do? He went around doing good. Doing good. What is the good that he did? Healing. Yep. Okay, healing. That was the good that he did, right? So God was healing when Jesus healed. God was healing when Jesus healed because it was God who anointed him. So when Jesus healed, God was healing because God was the one who anointed him. God anointed him. Is that right? Hallelujah. So what does that say? So God was healing when Jesus healed because it was God who had anointed him. God is the healing is in the healing business. He's not in the sickness business. Amen. Amen. When he healed, God was healing. Hallelujah. So God's in the healing business. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. 
God's in the deliverance business, not the bondage business. He's not into keeping us in bondage. He's into setting us free. Amen. So he sent the word. Yes. Yes. Amen. Yep. The word became flesh and he dwelt among us. And John said, he said, we beheld his glory. We beheld his goodness of the only begotten son because he was full of grace and he was full of truth. Amen. He was full of the word. He was full of grace. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. Okay, so let's go back to Acts 38, uh, 10, 38. Who was healed by Jesus? All. All. Everyone that was oppressed by the devil. I love that. We need to look back in that. We, we, we need to, have you got all, all circled in your paper Bible? Yeah, all. Hallelujah. Turn to someone and say, that means you. Now say, that means me. You see, all is so clear. In the Greek, it means all. Yeah, all is so clear. Yeah. You see, what happens is the simplicity, uh, the, 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 the simplicity of the word of God, it, it doesn't make it hard to understand. Yeah. yeah? It takes sometimes the wisdom of man to confuse it. Yes. Yeah? yeah? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. All means every one of us. That means those who were healed under Jesus' ministry were oppressed by the devil. He healed all who were oppressed of the devil. Who were they oppressed by? The devil. This is real simple, isn't it? It's A, B, C. But, you know, I love this. I'm so grateful that I had to repeat my multiplication tables when I was a kid. Yeah? Are you? Did you do it? Did you have to do the repeat thing, yeah. learning, you know, all the, the multiplication? Yeah. It's simple, but there's yeah. the basic things we need to learn because we keep it. Oh, I still use it. Anyone else? Yeah. I still use my tables. I'm so glad that repetition, 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 yeah. going back to it, going back to it, going back to it, got it in me. Yeah? yeah? And this simplicity, we've got to get it in us because it's so surprising when we start to hear it again. We think, whoa, I was out of alignment. Stuff was beginning to seep into my life. Yeah? Hallelujah. That here we see that those that were healed by Jesus' ministry were oppressed of the devil. In other words, the devil had something to do with their sickness. Yeah? That doesn't mean an evil spirit was always present. It just means that um, he was behind every situation. You know, Anything that steals fullness of life, anything that robs us of the abundant life that Jesus came to give us, he's behind it. doesn't mean that people are possessed or anything, but, but he's behind it. And, 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 you know, Sunday I touched on this quite a bit about deception and, and, and he can deceive you into believing that you're sick or coming down for something. If you buy it, you've got it. Yes. You've actually taken ownership over it. Yes. Amen? Amen? Once you agree with it, 
And, you know, it's amazing how you can, a symptom can come and you start to lean into it and, and, and lean into it and just check yourself to see how it's going, you know, and it can be on your mind. I think I'm coming down with something. You're inviting oppression of the enemy. You're inviting it. You're coming into agreement with it. You partner with it where to agree it shall be established. Amen. Come on. Yeah. And how we, how, you know, we, we know how much we, our minds are renewed by how quickly we agree with the enemy. We agree with it by leaning into it and giving place to it. I was doing that the last couple of days and, and, and you know, my back's been seizing up a, a bit. And, and uh, this happened to me before. But, um, and uh, I just thought, oh, well, that's, oh, I think that's coming. And, and, and I found myself just, yes, exactly. Exactly. You know, sti- well, I'm stiffening up, you know, like I'm not moving that well. And, and, yeah. uh, and you know, you've got to bring that into line really quickly. I, I didn't bring it into line quick enough because it started yesterday and it's gone now. But this morning I just said, what the heck? I'm not having this. I'm not having this. You know, because the enemy says, oh, well, you're 68, you know, something will start. No, I am not having this. Yes, or, you know, like I've been sitting in that chair and it's not all that comfortable. Yeah? It's amazing. I amazed myself how I just actually went into it. I thought, what the heck? How long have you been entertaining this? Why didn't you, Kim, take authority over that immediately? We get into the busyness of life, don't we? Yeah? How easy it is to just fall into that trap and come into agreement with that first sign of that symptom and go with it. And watch it progress. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Woohoo! Yes. Ha, huh, where am I? <laughs> Mark 16. Let's go there. Mark 16. Healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So what he's saying is all of them were oppressed of the devil. He's, he was in the business. He was busying himself in that place. Verse 15 uh, of Mark 16. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Verse 17. And these signs shall follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. Verse 18, they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Amen. 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 Okay, so which one of the sick did Jesus say to lay hands on? Hmm? Just lay hands on the sick. If you're sick, lay hands on, lay, lay hands on them. Amen. Which one of the sick did he say um, would recover? Amen. 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 He said the sick, period. He said the sick, period. That's it. And he said they will recover. Amen. Amen. See, it's wonderful just to take that word like that, the simplicity of that word. He said lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Didn't he? He said they will recover. Amen. So, 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 so what do we do? We need to guard our minds of all the but ifs and what for and, and how about. And, you know, yeah, exactly. It must be more than that. That's what we think. It must take more than that. 
We need more than that. It can't just be that. We're actually robbed of the simplicity. Um, Paul said, I fear lest you beguiled out of the simplicity which is in Christ Jesus. We get beguiled by the enemy out of the simplicity which is in Christ Jesus. He never made it hard. But that's the way that book, oh, and, 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 and speak the word and, and, and give them the word and, and when, when, when we pray for them to be healed and then say, no, you must. You know. No, he said, believers will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Amen. 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 I mean, if you're simple enough, if you're simple-minded enough to believe that, you'll get results. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I, did I tell you my testimony once about my, my friend's father? My friend's father had really, yeah, really bad heart, yeah. And I was such a baby Christian, but I read it, you know, every time I'd read the scriptures, I'd just, wow, come on. Mm. And so, and he was, and went and prayed for him, asked him if I could go and pray for him. I just opened up that scripture there and said, believers will lay hands on the sick and they recover. And, and he's, I said, do you, do you believe it? And I was, I, was, I was naive enough to believe the truth. Yeah, wow. that's a good thing. Really? It's good. You know? And, and prayed for him, and he was healed. He come out healed. He he was he he amazing recovery. Twenty years longer. His name was Nelson Eleutherio. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh wow! Very stately religious man. But he, when I showed him that scripture, he had honour for that scripture. Boom boom. And I was I was naive and young enough in the Lord to believe that it had happened. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Come on. We just have to be naive to the world. Yeah? And believe that one word inspired by the Holy Spirit and given to you as a believer has the power in itself to bring itself to pass. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. That word that God breathes on is enough. It's enough because He's enough. And with that word that he breathes on comes a commissioning to step out and do it. Not to say, oh, God, that's good. You do it. No, he said, I've called you. Amen. Because I'm going. I'm going and greater works than these shall you do. Bless the Lord. That's a good word. That's worth waiting for. That's worth coming today, that word. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. He just said the sick, period. Jesus authorized us to lay hands on the sick and he said that they would recover. So what? God has set the church against sickness. He has set us against it. He was against it. He is against it. And he'll always be against it. And he has set us to be against it. So what do we do? No. No. In Jesus' name. No. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Not just a posture. Oh, no, no. Heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. No. Amen. 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 Glory to God. James 5, verse 14. Praise Jesus. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. If any is any among you sick, is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, 
he will be forgiven. I'm believing faith is being released today. Amen. Because, you know, I just love it. I just love the fact that, you know, he said, there's no argument there. Like there's nothing, oh, well, there's there's no mites. We have to believe this word. Yes. Regardless. He's expecting believers to believe. Yes. Amen. Bless the Lord. And, you know, your heart gets it. Your heart gets it. It's his head. We have to be. We have to renew our mind. What are we doing today? We're renewing our mind. We're renewing our mind right now. Our mind is being renewed right now. Amen? I don't care what you've experienced. I don't care what's happening right now. I do care for you as God cares for you. But regardless, this word, amen, is any any among you sick? When I first thought, well, what a question. I mean, would you even ask that question? Of course there is. Yeah? But, but to me, I don't think he, there shouldn't be because we're actually healed. Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Isn't that just incredible? I think I shared that testimony, but I'm going to share it again. That uh, testimony that I heard many, many years ago. This man in, is in the outback, and he 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 read his Bible. Isn't that a great thing to do? Read yeah. your Bible. You know. <laughs> anyway, you know, yeah. Read your Bible. Yeah. Glory to God. You want to hear from God? You want to see God? Read your Bible. Amen. So he's reading his Bible, and he reads this scripture, right? And he was sick, and he was on his own. So he took himself out to try to find a believer. He comes to this place and there's a little old church there and he goes in and he finds the minister and the minister used to be there all the time in the church, you know, have the little house next door to it and everything. So he goes and he he goes up to the minister, he says he takes his scripture to him and he says, um, you know, just said find an elder or call the elders. He says, well, um, will you pray over me and anoint me with oil? because I know I'm going to be healed if you do that. And the, the, the minister said, oh, I don't believe that's what it's saying. He said, but I do. Just give me your hands. Put his hands on him and he was healed. <laughs> yep. Just finding someone. Isn't that incredible? So he had enough. He said, I've got enough faith for both of you, actually. I think that's what I've got enough faith for both of us. I believe it. Just give me your hands. <laughs> <laughs> give me your hands. Come here. Here, here, here. Can I sit next to you? Amen. <laughs> Is any anyone sick among you? He's speaking to the church. Amen. Hallelujah. He wants the church well. He, he doesn't want any sick. He says, and if there is, call the elders and let them pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Therefore, it can be God's will. Can it? Oh, question. Can it be God's will for anyone in the church to be sick? Because he said, if there is, do something about it. He said, if there is, do something about it. Amen. Okay, so now we're going to have a little look at um, suffering for Jesus. Another statement we can hear quite a lot of. 2 Timothy 2 verse 12. 
Scripture says, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. What's he talking about here? Suffer what? Is he talking about um, cancer, heart disease, you know, strokes, pneumonia, whatever? What did Jesus suffer? Let's look. What did Jesus suffer? I'm not talking about on the cross. I'm talking about what did Jesus suffer in his earthly ministry? Persecution. Persecution. Yeah? Persecution. Amen. If you believe in divine healing and the gifts of the Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, <laughs> you're going to get persecuted at some stage of your walk. Amen. Glory to God. <laughs> eh? that, that's the suffering he's talking about. Yeah. Not suffering. It doesn't, sickness does not give God glory. If, if sickness gave him glory, well, why does he want us healed? Why does he want us to pray for each other yeah. so we'd be healed? Yeah. If it gives us glory, well, let's just all not pray for each other yeah. and let's just all be sick. Yeah. Why did he come to heal the sick? Why did he go around doing good and healing all? It wasn't yeah. it, it, healing and, 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 and divine health glorify God. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Hebrews 12, verse 6. For the Lord corrects and disciplines everyone whom he loves, and he punishes, even scourges, every son whom he accepts and welcomes to his heart and cherishes. It says that he chastens, not makes him sick. Yeah, doesn't say that he makes him sick. He says he chastens, okay? He doesn't use the tools of the enemy to correct his children. The word chasten in the Greek actually means to train or to educate. To train or to educate. Which one of us would send our kids to school and say, if they're not doing the right thing, you have you have permission to break their arm or to yes. you know to yes. you know you have permission to hurt them if they are not doing the right thing. Chasten means to train and to educate. What are we to train them up into? We're to train, train in the Word of God. Yeah. Amen. Equip them in the word of God. Yeah. Train them in the way they should go. Exactly. We educate our children, but we don't break their arm if they need discipline. Oh, hallelujah. It's not the way God does it. Bless the Lord. You know, I don't know whether you guys experience this, but when I was a child, if I, if I, I stepped out of the very tight boundaries that I was raised in at all, and hurt myself, it would be, that's God's punishment. That's God's punishment. That I was controlled by the fact that God would punish me if I did not do exactly what I was told to do. Over and over and over. that is God's punishment. And, you know, that, that's something that I think that many, oh, I know of my generation, people would hear that. It was sort of like the fear of the parent. They loved us. The fear of the parent would keep us in that fear of God if we did or, you know, being hurt if we did anything wrong. Yeah. yeah? And that can be this position of the church today. Yeah. That if I make one step wrong, then sickness will come upon me or, you know, yeah. something will happen to me, yeah. you know. Uh, um, uh, you know, but the thing is that when those thoughts come, you know, like I, we, we do miss it. Yeah. Anybody miss it? Yeah. But, you know, Jesus didn't miss it at all for you. He actually didn't make any mistakes. Yeah. 
he, he didn't miss it at all. He, he, he fulfilled everything for us. Is that right? Praise. We are saved by grace through faith. We are saved by unmerited faith and not of works, not of works. The enemy wants to get us into works because the minute you put yourself under the law, you put yourself under the curse because you've got to do everything right. Amen. You actually place yourself under the curse by putting yourself under the law. But the curse without a cause cannot alight. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Whew. How are we going time-wise? Really good. So we educate our children, but we do not train them by harming them. Yeah? Yeah? God's punishment. No. We need to, our minds renewed in that area. So God doesn't use sickness and disease to teach his children a lesson. People think that God made Job sick. Has anyone ever heard that? He didn't make Job sick. The enemy made Job sick. Amen. And some people say, well, yes, but God gave him permission. True, but he did not commission it. God will permit you to rob a bank. Yeah? But he won't commission you to. No. That's right. Yeah? Why will he permit? Well, it's just the fact that God's given you a choice. Yes, yes. He doesn't suggest it. He doesn't commission it. No. But you can. He's not going to stop you. No. He's not going to physically come down and stop you. Yeah? The Bible's clear about why sickness came upon Job. You can turn to Job 25 with me, if you like. Um, verse 26. And let's see why sickness came upon Job. And this is, this is something that you hear a fair bit. Anyone heard this about Job? What about Job? It's important that we know these things, these truths. You know, there's some things written in the Bible that have been truly stated, but they're not statements of truth. Yeah? They're someone's story, but they're not statements of truth. They're someone's ponderings. They're part of someone's journey, but they're not necessarily statements of truth. Job 25, 26, this is Job speaking. For the thing which I greatly fear comes upon me, and that of which I am afraid befalls me. I was not or am not at ease. I was not or am not at ease. So he wasn't at ease and, and he in the present tense, I am not at ease. Okay? Nor had I or have I rest. Listen to this man's life. Let's go back there again. I was not or am not at ease. Why? Because the, and he says, the thing that I fear has come upon me. I was not and I am not at ease nor had I or have I rest. He said, this is, I, 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 I've been in fear yes. forever. Yes. I've always been in fear. I was in fear then, I'm in fear now. Yes. I had no rest and I haven't got any rest now. 
This is a state that this guy is in. This is the state of mind that he is in. Nor was I or am I quiet. Yet trouble came and still comes upon me. Yet trouble came and still comes upon me. Let's have a look at that. Yet trouble, did he think for a minute that the fact that he wasn't at rest was going to stop trouble coming upon him? That his fear was going to stop trouble coming upon him? I'm aware of it, I'm fearful of it. I'm doing everything out of fear. I can speak the scriptures out of fear. Yeah. Amen. I, I, can, I can start showering myself with scriptures out of, out of fear. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Let's read that again. It's awesome. For the thing which I greatly fear comes upon me. I greatly fear, not just fear, I greatly fear comes upon me and that of which I am afraid befalls me. I was not or am not at peace, at ease. Nor had I or have I rest. He's in a terrible place. Nor was I or am I quiet, yet trouble came and still comes upon me. So for some reason he was deceived in thinking that the fact that he wasn't at rest, right, that he was in fear. In other words, I'm ready for this. I'm getting, I know this could happen, right? He's making sacrifices for his sons in case they sinned. You know, like he, he's doing all this stuff, right? But he, all of what he was doing, yet he said, yet it comes upon me. Why? Because there's an invitation. Because the invitation was put out. How was the invitation put out? He was at no rest. He wasn't in faith. As a righteous man, he did everything right. Why? Because he was in fear. He was in fear of punishment. You see, we can be religious. We can be trying to do everything right because we're in fear of punishment without knowing the true character of God, which is who? Jesus is God the Father in action. Yeah? Amen? Oh, hallelujah. That's, that's Job 25, 26. Sorry? Oh, I've done the wrong. Why did I get that? Oh, sorry. I think I've mixed it up with Psalm 23, which I'm going to next. Oh, no. Yeah, sorry. Oh, it was, sorry, no, it was verse 25 and 26. Yeah. Thanks, Kim. See, Kim? Awesome. Psalm 23. Okay, so let's go to Psalm 23 in this context of, of, of where Job was at. David says, I will fear no evil. Let's have a look at that. Psalm 23, verse 4. Yes, though I walk through the deepest sunless valley of the shadow of death, I will fear or dread no evil. Yeah? yeah? I will fear no evil. There's a difference. David speaking, I will fear no evil. I'm going through stuff, but I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Yes. Where is Jesus right now? With me. He's with you. Amen. Uh, yeah? yeah? Your rod to protect and your staff to guide, they comfort me. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you can see the state of being that Job was in. Yeah. The thing that I fear the most has come upon him, upon me. 
He himself had opened the door by allowing sickness to come upon him, by allowing fear to come into his life. Yeah? Bible scholars agree that the entire book of Job took place over a period of 9 to 18 months. And in chapter 42.10, it says that God turned his captivity and that means that he was no longer sick, right? He turned his captivity. That means that his sickness came from the devil because he was taken captive at the devil's will. Yeah? All that he lost was because he was taken captive. What took him captive? Fear took him captive. Fear was the agent in which the devil could take him captive. He used that. Amen? He actually deceived him into thinking God wasn't with him, as where David said, for you are with me, Lord. You know, if we have a conscious awareness that God is with us, we won't get into fear. He said, I'll get no, I'll fear no evil because you are with me, Lord. You know, the, the fact is that he was with him, but he's actually in you now. He's in us. He's not just with us. He's in us. Amen. You aren't on your own. You're never on your own. He is with you. Always. He says, always until the end of the world. Amen. Amen. So God turned his captivity and gave him twice as much as he had in the beginning. I think he lived until another 140 years or something. Let's go here to, to verse. I'm going to go to chapter 42. I just want to read through. This is just amazing. I just love this. Uh, Job 42, verse verse 1. This is the last, this is the last chapter in Job. Then Job said to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. We have a different Job going on here now. Yeah. Yeah? Mm -hmm. And that no thought or purpose of yours can be restrained or thwarted. Isn't that something to write, to underline? No thought, no thought or purpose of yours can be restrained or thwarted. So you're getting to know God, yeah? You said to me, who is that that darkens and obscures counsel by words without knowledge? (laughs) So you can... Obscure counsel, you can darken counsel by words without knowledge of God, without the true knowledge of God. How do we get the true knowledge of God? Yeah, who, 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 who is God in action? Jesus. Yeah. Therefore, I now see I have rashly uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me which I did not know. In other words, I didn't know God. I was trying to be a good man. I was trying to get everything right. I tried to be righteous, yeah? In fear of, let's put it in the context of our message today, punishment. Yeah? Verse 4, I had virtually said to you what you have said to me. Here, I beseech you and I will speak. I will demand of you and you declare and you declare to me i had heard of you only by the hearing of the ear but now 
my spiritual eye sees you. Now my spiritual eye sees you. Therefore, I loathe my words. He's saying, I loathe what I said about you. God doesn't heal today. You know, bringing into now, you know, um, he punishes, you know, and he scourges and he, yeah. you know, he's withholding. He doesn't heal all. Not everyone's healed. Come on, shoot. Look, look, just open your eyes, woman, will you, and see. Not everyone's healed. Yeah. yeah? Here he's saying, therefore I loathe my words and abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. I've changed my mind about you. Yeah? I've changed your mind. I'm not going to listen to those words anymore about you and speak about you like that because now I have an all knowledge of you. Yeah? Now I have a knowledge. How do we get the knowledge of it? We look into Jesus because Jesus is God the Father in action. Amen. Amen. You can't find him doing in the scriptures what he is accused of doing. Because he just didn't do it when he came to bring a representation of the Father. He didn't do what he's been accused of doing. He didn't do what he was accused of doing when they hung him on the cross either. Yeah, when he hung upon the cross, when they, when they, they with those stripes, yeah, that he took. He didn't do what he was accused of doing. Crucified love. Let's look at verse ten. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job. What he repented, didn't he? Yeah. He he saw that he was different. The goodness of God led him to repent. Yeah? Yes. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job and restored his fortunes when he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Actually, I like the next verse too. Verse 11. Then there came to him all his brothers and sisters and all who had known him before. <laughs> and they... They ate bread with him in his house. Wow, this is a wonderful word. And they sympathised with him and comforted him over all the distressing calamities that had that that the Lord had brought upon him. See, there we got that. The Lord had brought upon him. Every man also gave him a piece of money and every man an earring of gold. Wow, he did pretty well. You go on and see. And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels. How many camels you got? Here he goes on. 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. Had seven sons and three dogs. Look at it. The, the end is just so amazing. The Lord blessed him. Amen. And restored to him over and abundantly what he had lost. Amen. So in the in the Old Testament, um, let's have a look. Oh, no, we're going to have a little look in the Old Testament now about thorns that Paul will we'll jab in, will dig in and poke Paul a bit. The thorn, Paul's thorn. When heard Paul's thorn? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the thorn in the flesh. We're just going to kill a few sacred cows here today. That's okay. Good. Okay. So we're going to look at Paul's thorn. 
all right? Some mistakenly believe that Paul's thorn was sickness or blindness because he, look at the fine the print, the, how large a print or whatever I, I write in. So in the Old Testament, God said, if you don't kill those Canaanites, so we're going to kill some Canaanites today, when you possess the land, there will be thorns in your side. Okay? And what he was saying is they will torment you. Yeah? Let's go to Numbers 33, verse 55. I hope I got that right, Kim. Check me out if I haven't. Yeah. yeah. But if you will not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then those you let remain of them shall be pricks in your eyes and as thorns in your sides, and they shall vex you in the land in which you dwell. I love looking that in the context of the New Testament. You know, we, we need to drive out the inhabitants, the stuff that's in our head. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Casting down imaginations. Yeah, we need to drive them out. What do we drive them out with? The Word of God. Yeah, we drive them out with the washing of the water of the Word of God. We deal, he says, if you don't drive them out, right? They're going to remain with you as pricks in your eyes. You're not yeah. going to be able to see properly yeah, and thorns yeah. in your flesh. Is that right? And they'll vex you in the land which you dwell, in, yeah. the, in your here and now. Yeah? So um, let's have a look at thorns in the small time I've got there. Joshua 23 verse 13. Know with certainty that the Lord your God will not continue to drive these nations from before you, but they shall be a snare and a trap to you and a scourge in your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good land which the Lord your God has given you. There we see thorns in the side, right? These are personalities, yeah? It's not sickness, yeah? Judges 2 verse 3, now I say, so now I, now I say, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare to you. They shall be a snare to you. You know, they're actually demons on assignment. Where we are now, you know, yeah? Lying spirits on assignment to steal, kill and destroy. Paul tells exactly what the thorn was, the messenger of Satan yeah. that was sent to buffet him. It's a messenger of Satan, not a sickness. But yet people use that over and over and over. What about Job? What about Paul's yeah, thorn? thorn? Yeah? And uh, we need to shoot them. Because these, 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 these things are put as a stumbling block and, 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 and people receive things. They, they let them sit there because they have no true knowledge or understanding of what the Scripture is saying. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 7, amplified, classic again, and to keep me from being puffed up and too much elated by the exceeding greatness, preeminence of these revelations. Wow. I love that. And to keep me from, what will revelation do to you? It's a, but th this wasn't a negative thing. It was elated. I'm elated. It wasn't to keep him humble. <laughs> you know, 
to keep him from being puffed up and too much elated by the exceeding greatness, the preeminence of the revelations. Oh, doesn't revelation knowledge just elate you? Just lifts you up. It lifts you up into the glory of his presence. Yeah. There was given me a thorn, a splinter in the flesh, a messenger of Satan. He explains who it is. He says it's a messenger from Satan. It wasn't sent by God to keep him humble. Paul was a humble man. Goodness gracious me. You know, like what he went through to serve God. He said, I call all the stuff that I had as dung in comparison to knowing him. They're words from a person who was in a humble posture before God, but elated at the revelation, elated at what God was saying to him. Yeah? Just on another level of awe and wonder in God. You know, when he, he come to know him more and more, he was the man who prayed, oh, but I might know him. After all he'd been through, oh, that I would know him, that I would know the wonders of his person. He was elated with the revelations he was getting. So what happened? A messenger from Satan came to buffet him. A personality came to buffet him, to rack and to buffet and harass me, to keep me from being excessively exalted. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that you would be exalted in due season. Yeah? Three times I called upon the Lord and besought him about this, and he begged that it might depart from me, and begged that it might depart from me. But what did he say? My grace is sufficient. Yeah? His grace is sufficient. His empowering, his ability is sufficient. Amen? He's equipped you. Yeah? That you can say like David, I will fear no evil. Your word and your spirit, they comfort me. Yeah? Everywhere Paul went to preach, this evil spirit stirred up against everything that he could stir up against. It was opposition from the enemy. It wasn't a pain in the side. Praise the Lord. Might have given him a pain in the neck. but <laughs> You cannot separate sickness and disease from Satan. Disease came from the fall of man. And that fall was of the devil. Sickness and sin have the same origin, the enemy, not God. He's not the author of it. Yeah. Jesus' attitude towards sickness was uncompromising warfare with Satan. His attitude towards sin and sickness was identical. He dealt with sickness and disease the same way he dealt with demons. Since sickness and disease are of the devil, we must follow in the footsteps and attitude of Jesus and deal with it in the way he did and he did not tolerate it. Didn't tolerate it. Amen? So we're not to tolerate it. We're called not to tolerate it. Amen? Glory to God.